0: back to the Pork Pearls almanac, everybody. It's hot. It's stinky. It's compost. It's not the clap. Well, no, it's not stinky. It's hopefully not too stinky. It's the clap. It's hopefully not the clap. It's compost. I think, yeah, that's a fine intro.
1: Yeah. I mean who who is going to disagree with I hope it's not the clap, really? Come on. Is that the new slogan? It is. Like collapse is coming, don't get the claps. Y- yeah. Stock palm medicine. It comes
0: Full circle. Just saying. Yeah. So let's talk shit. Let's talk shit. Oh no. Oh, that's pretty bad.
2: It's all about the <laughs> See, like, like with the young kids, Andy. They talk about the shit. Sounds like you're talking about something cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're hip.
2: We're hip. So not the clap. It's the shit.
1: I mean, sometimes the clap is shit. Not the shit. Oh god. The article it. is ver- the definitive article is really important here. Yeah. Wait, is the definitive or indefinitive? I don't know. Definitely. Jesus Christ, Matt. Weren't you just in college like last week?
0: I haven't done, well, I haven't, I haven't done that sort of thing in a long time.
1: Mm. Mm, yes. Okay, so tell us about the clap post, compost.
0: Yeah, to what we're here to talk about today. Um, not the clap. Not the clap. It's compost. Wow. Okay. Shocker. Shocker. Um, so compost is one of those things that it seems like everyone knows a little bit about. You might be a gardener or a farmer and have used compost to help grow crops, or maybe you've just like thrown away the, your sandwich crusts in the uh, green bin at work or school. So to make sure everyone's on the same page, what we're going to do in this episode is start pretty basic, uh, but stick around because we'll get into the nitty gritty grimy pretty quick.
2: Here we are again. We're here to talk about dirt and shit. So exciting.
1: It is. And also, we can't forget our a sponsor for this episode.
0: Who's our sponsor?
1: Thanks to Matt's thorough outreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Bread Kaczynski is our, our sponsor. Oh, yeah. All of their bread is grown in all of our compost. So, Bread Kaczynski, thanks yeah. so much.
0: Industrial milling and its consequences. <laughs> um. Okay, so... Getting back to... Oh, my God. This is going to take so long. We're going to get so off course. Okay. Composting at its most basic is helping plant waste and food scraps break down into this sort of, like, rich, fluffy, nutrient-filled material called hummus.
1: Okay. Question. Before we go any further.
0: Like, we're, like, not even... Real question. Okay.
1: Sort of. So, if we were to make, say, a, a compost out of, like, I don't know, chickpeas, sesame... Maybe a smidge of lemon. Are you asking if we'd have hummus hummus? I'm not not asking if we'd have hummus hummus.
2: I just realized now I don't ever want either of you to cook for
0: me.
1: That's why you're the cook.
0: Yeah. I tried making hummus, but I didn't shell the uh, chickpeas. That was my one foray into it. Yeah, that was
1: a a mistake. Yeah. That went into the compost.
0: No, I still ate that. I'm not giving up good bean like that. Um, even if you've never like been near a compost pile, most likely you've seen hummus before. If you've been in, like the woods or maybe like a field and've dug down to like the first layer, the like first layer of what you could call dirt, that's like what hummus is. It's like the transition between organic material and soil, sort of. It's dark wet maybe some like leaf skeletons and a lot of insects. And because it's full of broken down plants, it's full of all things that plants and soil organisms love to either
1: absorb or eat. Who would have thought nature would consume itself and then grow more nature?
0: All about them cycles. So plants and soil also like this hummus because it helps hold water in the soil. It acts like a sponge and supports all things that are alive in it. This, along with nutrient and mineral content, makes it a fantastic material to add to a garden or field. Uh, so let's dive in a little bit deeper on the actual process of making compost. When your compost pile is rotting down, two different things are happening: abiotic decomposition and biotic decomposition. Abiotic decomposition is just the natural chemical processes, which is mainly oxidation reduction and hydrolysis. That are going to be happening regardless of any other living thing that wants to eat your
1: scraps. So that's just like if you uh I don't know like left it alone in a room and it was like vacuum sealed with no bugs. It's just this chemical reaction from like time existing and volatile compounds starting to break down, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing that should be happening. So have you guys seen those like preserved McDonald's meals or the Queen? Like McDonald's meals for from like the 90s and they still look the same
1: Mm -hmm. yep seen it yeah yeah all of our bodies after we die yeah
0: exactly same thing yeah yeah that's that's abiotic decomposition is just gonna happen or maybe not if you're mcdonald's or stuff with formaldehyde so the tissues will break down because they're no longer alive and it's kind of just like entropy without anything eating or changing the organic matter Biotic decomposition, on the other hand, involves other organisms, primarily bacteria and fungi that process the tissues they find as food. This gives them energy to continue surviving and also gives them nutrients which they need to grow and reproduce.
1: Yeah, and the bacteria and fungi-fungi relationship is a little bit different with that hummus layer because of how fungi can move nutrients throughout the soil while bacteria are pretty much trapped where they are and then they can you know reproduce but they're basically where they are and that means they're less capable of transferring energy from that top layer deeper into the soil yeah
0: those bacteria just like just kind of hanging out just not going very
1: far just chilling stir it up yeah
0: stir it up you know so the bacteria use enzymes to oxidize and break down the compost from which they get that energy When a compost pile heats up, it's a result of this oxidization from which some energy is escaping in the form of heat. You might have felt a hot compost pile or seen one steaming on a cold day. That's this heat from the bacteria and fungi breaking shit down.
2: Literally breaking it down. Shit and dirt, I tell ya. Like ODB, Elliot. I'm just gonna shake my head even though no one else can see it. They know, because first of all, you skipped over a Bob Marley quote with Steer It Up and went to something that sounds like an ODB quote, but it's not.
1: Wait, who's ODB? Like Wu-Tang, you know, they got that song Cream. Crops rule
0: everything around me? I'm about to rage.
1: Hey there, it's Andy from the Poor Poles Almanac, and- And we're not the Poor Poles Almanac. You're right. We are tomorrow, today- And I'm Nash Flynn from Death and Fronts. Tomorrow today is our chance to talk to
0: folks about cutting edge research that helps us understand what tomorrow looks like. But today...
1: We've got exciting guests. And we'll speculate wildly about what the future looks like. Will the ocean currents slow down in your lifetime, leaving temperate climates decimated? Will we go to Mars? Will we drown in climate-induced ocean floods filled with microplastics? Will new research rewrite the history our children read? Will the sun... Is this going to be another Doomer question? No
0: tomorrow today wherever you get your podcasts and also on instagram
1: no 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 so guys it's corn rules everything around me i'm pretty sure please stop compost rules everything please
2: stop for the love of god stop he did this the entire time we were off on our little commercial break or whatever the hell i don't even know it's just silence for us i don't know what you guys hear
1: i'm never stopping i just want you to know this is my life
2: I'll turn off your microphone.
1: Cows micro- rule everything around me.
2: I'm going to tu- turn off your microphone. <laughs> oh, my God. Can, can we do
0: that? Can I do that? Maybe. Dom? Yeah, wait. We'll, can Dom just, like, mute Andy's track for the rest of the... Yeah. Oh, I think it worked. Okay. Okay. So, composting at its heart, icky core, is you working to help out all these little organisms break down your waste and make it into something that's good for your soil and, in turn, good for your plants. However, in order to help them do this most efficiently, it's important that they have everything in the right quantities. First of all, carbon. Carbon is mostly in the form of starches and sugars and is what provides the living things with the energy they need. The microbial breakdown of this carbon also provides the heat that the full breakdown of the pile requires. Materials with a lot of carbon are usually dry and dead and generally called your browns when balancing
1: a pile. Yeah, that's
2: literally what I do with this podcast. Right, Andy? I bring
1: the heat. So really, it's cowpeas rule everything around me. Have you guys not been hearing me this whole time? Moving
0: on. Um, Nitrogen is the next piece we need, and it's needed for the microbes to grow and reproduce. High nitrogen materials, your greens, are usually fresh and, as the name suggests, green. These materials are high in nitrogen because they contain proteins that will break down into peptides, amino acids, and eventually nitrates that become available
1: to the plants. Okay, so we talked in the past about this relationship between protein and nitrogen, not very in depth, but it's a really important one because about 15% of the amino acids that make up protein are nitrogen, and conversely with everything that that we calculate around nitrogen, we can kind of estimate the protein content and vice versa. That those contents give so if leaf litter is a certain number of nitrogen we can calculate roughly even if we don't have like a caloric breakdown how much protein is probably in that material and the same thing plays out in our compost if we know how much nitrogen or protein we're putting in the compost we can kind of gauge how that's going to spit back out on the other end in terms of what can be absorbed by plants and then converted into nitrogen or protein depending on what it is exactly that you're trying to get
0: right it's important to note one thing which is when you're balancing a pile regardless of whether it's green or brown um, it has way more carbon in it than nitrogen no matter what so we talked about balancing a pile and the carbon nitrogen or cn ratio uh, we're looking for is about 25 to 1 Uh, your greens are Going to have a more even ratio that brings that number down for example your like regular vegetable wastes will have a ratio of about 12 to 1. your brands push the ratio the other way though uh dried leaves for example have a cn ratio of roughly 50 to 1.
2: okay so i want to go back to the soil episode we did a while back where grasses exist in the earlier succession of things right So the very early succession is mostly bacteria and becomes more fungal later in the succession as things die off, but grass is usually at the middle ground. So would you say a one to one ratio is about right for that?
0: Yeah, exactly. And we see this like playing out in the materials we choose to add. So plants generally try to alter their environments to best suit their growing needs, and this includes the ratios of fungi and bacteria in the soil. Uh, The soil of forests, for example, are usually going to have a much higher fungi content than they do bacteria.
1: And in some cases, that fungal ratio can go up to like a thousand to one or multiple thousands to one. And, uh, you know, the obvious reason is because they're all really fun guys.
2: Yeah. And I've been to plenty of Andy's dirt parties with fun guys, fun folks of all kind, really. It was kind of nuts. They had one of those ice luges, and this is, you know, before COVID and the damn dark ages. Which reminds Hold me, on, are
1: you actually talking about that time? I don't know, maybe it was fifteen years ago. Now we went to that house party that was next to a cemetery on like Fourth of July. Yes. Okay. I, I just, I was like, wait, this is a true story. <laughs> like, I remember this actually. Yes. Um. Yeah. And you're like, where are we? Why? Why is there a ten foot ice luge? Um. Yeah. That was fun.
2: It also reminds me. Uh, I heard torch and pitchfork
1: parties are coming back in this season. So. That should be fun. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So uh, one of the interesting things, though, about cemeteries, I remember distinctly about that cemetery is there's these blackberries growing like right along this fence. And then they're like, this is kind of a weird thing. I actually really like going to cemeteries because one of the unique things about cemeteries, especially older ones, is that they're oftentimes like the last bastions of species that were in those locations like a long time ago. Because nobody's going in and cutting down trees for the most part. So when you go into like the really old sections of cemeteries, you find these really cool old like trees that are oftentimes like I'm thinking about that cemetery in particular. There was a bunch of American ash and like that is in that that area where that party was almost like non-existent as a tree anymore. Hmm. But it exists in the cemetery, which is like kind of this weird dichotomy of like a place for dead things is the only place this thing is still alive uh, what's really interesting though is like you have this space that is, when you think about it, like a cemetery is the natural landscape of most of like this part of the country, the eastern half of the country, right? Because you've got these trees spread out and it's mostly like you could call it pasture, like all grasslands. And the trees are there just to break up the sun enough so that no one is like sweating balls. Burying somebody, right? Mm -hmm. You basically have a savanna ecosystem in every cemetery with these very old trees that is very representative of how they would have looked six, seven hundred years ago. And obviously, like, there's that's a bit of an oversimplification, but it does give us some really interesting perspective on what that looks like. And to bring this full circle, like, when you think about that ecosystem, One of the things that becomes challenging when we start having these conversations about like fungi to bacteria ratios is like savannas are unique because if we're talking about what we are, that this bacteria to fungal ratio is so diverse, how can there be this space where that's super productive and would require basically opposite amounts of bacteria and fungi, right? Right. So it offers like, I guess, an interesting point to look at the landscape. And recognize that the science, at least as we've covered it so far in the podcast, doesn't a hundred percent line up with like the lived experiences of this landscape for hundreds of years, for centuries, right i don't know I, I don't really have a point to this. I just think it's really interesting how we can take these like really abstract ideas and then try to see them play out in the real world and then I guess pair that with like a historical context, and that we can know these things then also know that This isn't all totally true or it's a little bit more complicated than this right right so when we're talking about like fungi there's a reason why fungi uh exist on the landscape right it's not just like necessarily because trees like them more um there's a little bit more to it right
0: right yeah and i just want to get your like circle back and get your main point from that we should be alley cropping with dead people I mean if we didn't Was that like So that's where I thought circle? this
2: conversation that's where I thought this conversation was going. If we didn't
1: pump them full.
2: I was waiting for it. I was literally waiting for that. Somebody bring up just cemeteries or just giant compost piles.
1: I mean it really does give new meaning to like old growth forest, right? Uh, Nothing y- for that. Yeah. Thing. Right? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I mean it, it is a really interesting thing. Like and I, honestly my personal perspective is that like if I could go get thrown into a hole and be like, this is going to produce trees and food for generations. Like, hell yeah. Like how, how oh, is yeah. that not better than what we're doing now? Yeah. Like I would be totally down. And I don't know if there's many people that would be buried, especially historically, when you start looking at cemeteries from the 1700s that you'd say, Hey, like, I think, you
2: can- I think, I think they have that now. It's like a tree pod where you get buried in it and it plants a tree and stuff.
0: Mm, too many steps. I just kind of want them to like, like, as the, like, crane is lowering a tree down into the hole, just, like, shove them under real quick. Yeah, just real quick.
1: <laughs> see if anyone looks like the little sidekick.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would love to see the muffed attempts. You just see feet, like, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, my point is that, like, I guess with cemeteries, is they're really a unique space in terms of, like, how an ecosystem is managed, mm-hmm. especially older ones that aren't as filled with formaldehyde. Uh, and all those other disgusting chemicals, I think they do offer us some like really interesting uh, perspectives. And like you know when you start looking at like the the cemetery materials that were used then and how they've weathered over hundreds of years and like how that's mineralized the soil in different ways, like it, it's just like a really interesting ecological uh, construction. And it also has like these weird homages to the landscape's history, even if unintentionally, and it's just they're they're cool, cool places. Uh, which is totally related to bacteria and fungi. Yeah. So Matt, tell us about fungi. I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Bring back it back. On Ex-
0: excellent segue, Andy. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, that was um, the whole
1: like last five minutes was actually scripted. It's a little behind the scene. <laughs> this is what happens when you guys leave me in a room and they're just like, "Go talk for a little bit," and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, let's talk about this thing that I just popped into my head."
0: Where were we? We were talking about uh, the. Carbon-nitrogen ratios. Right, and the uh, fungi-bacteria ratios of forests. Yes. Okay, so why do forests generally have a higher fungi content than bacteria? More dead stuff. Okay, so that's because fungi are specialized in breaking down the lignin, which all woody material in the forest floor is full of, Um, and are good at moving nutrients around the soil. So we're going to talk a bit more about this in a few weeks, and Andy sort of hinted at it earlier, but those ratios are pretty important. If you look at, like, a grassland, on the other hand, the fungi is going to be outcompeted in a lot of cases by bacteria that form a more specialized symbiosis with the uh, dominant
1: grass species. Exactly, and, like, with the bacteria and fungi they provide different nutrients, they occupy different spaces in uh, what the plants need. And we are going to cover that actually in a few weeks, uh, how and what that really looks like in terms of like the chemical reactions and things like that. So we are going to get into some pretty, uh, you could call it like nitty gritty kind of stuff. Nitty gritty grimy. Sponsored by our good friend, Brett Kaczynski. Uh, And it does raise some really interesting questions that again, We're, we're going to try to answer and start answering at least, I I don't think we'll have a finished answer rather on how this impacts systems like silvopasture, um, which again, we've been, you know, and maybe is there a name for, I know people graze sheep on graveyards, but I don't know if there's a specific name for it. I mean, like Gravo pasture. It's like contract graze. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The people that I know that do stuff like that, just call it. Contract gra- grazing with
1: a graveyard. Yes, I don't I know just, specifically. I, I feel like it needs a better name. Like, yeah,
0: what's the like, what's the like Latin for graveyard?
1: Uh, I think it's pretty uh, uh similar to cemetery because like Italian is very similar to cemetery, and usually Italian is like close as close to Latin as you can get, basically. So, like maybe uh, it's
0: cemeterium.
1: Yeah. So so. Cemetery so maybe, uh, pasture. Yes, I like it. Cemetery pasture. That sounds cool too. Elliot, yeah or nay? Cemetery pasture.
2: Yeah, I mean you're the best at smashing words together, so go for it.
1: I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're gonna talk about this a little bit more, and I don't know if we'll have a full answer, but. Uh, it's something we're going to be doing more and more of. Uh, we don't. We're not going to probably do it all in one season because that's just a lot of like very technical content. But probably every season we'll do a bit of this kind of deeper dive into soil science because it is really fun, and uh, you know we'll do it in the future.
2: But
0: for now, we're just going to add it to the list. The motherfucking list of things that we reference.
1: My BFFL, the list.
0: Okay. So oh god. All right. Getting back to it. How do we apply what we we're just talking about in actually making uh, compost? Okay, say for example, you're trying to make uh, compost that would support your tree crops. You can encourage fungi in your compost mix by uh, using leaves and twigs rather than, say, grass clippings. On the other hand, if you're applying the compost, to say your annual vegetable garden, then you might want to go heavier on the grass clippings, which will encourage more bacteria in your mix. So you're telling me I can recycle my weed now, too? I knew I love this pearl
2: shit and dirt now, I guess, too.
1: Well, question. Is it fermented?
2: Yeah, and I also love the fact that that is your next question after what I just said. What have you been reading now? And I bet it's either really old or hasn't even been translated because it's too old to be written down or something.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yes and no. Um, oh, I, have been, I have been reading some things that are old. The one you're talking about, fermented, uh, I'm already done with and we're actually going to be uh, we'll be talking about it in a few weeks because uh, it's it's uh, it's fun. It's let's just say uh, the smell of death.
0: I don't love the sound of that. Smell of death. What a what a nice little teaser for our listeners. You know, people are trying to like own a really terrible smelling pile in their yard. I'm pretty sure that a is getting on
1: that pretty quick.
2: Yeah, they can own these nuts, or whatever our HOA memes say. Andy, you write those, don't you?
1: I haven't yet, but I'm going to. But, speaking of nuts, a few words from our other sponsor, Normal Norm from Norm's Nut Emporium, where you can get your... Tell me, Elliot. Are you really going to make me say it? They're paying us, Elliot. Say the line.
2: Where you can get your nuts smashed for free.
1: Norm's nuts rule everything around me! Dream no dollar dollar bill (laughs) y'all hey
0: there it's me crazy norm down at normal normed nut emporium on john brown drive we're going nuts for nuts in nutty november we've got big nuts small nuts chestnuts ground nuts nut butter buttery nuts nut milk milky nuts nut cream creamy nuts and the for the late night crowd chocolate covered cbd deep fried nuts Want to join the nutstravaganza? Nut up and join the nut posse. Join other members and get your sack of nuts pounded for free whenever you come in and make the creamiest nut milk you've ever had in your own kitchen. Crazy Norm's Nut Emporium, 420 John Brown Drive, or online at 4Prolls.com. all right, welcome back to our listeners. For those of you that stuck around through all that mess, we appreciate you. We appreciate both of you. The rest, week.
2: You can actually hear us losing our minds. And I really hope someone, anyone, is learning from all of this.
0: All right. So speaking of getting back to it after all of that, the compost pile, getting back to the compost pile. Is that what we're here for? Yeah, apparently. So we've talked about carbon. We've talked about nitrogen. The last two inputs, you're going to need are oxygen and water, which are essential to keeping your microbes happy. Uh, Dam conditions also encourage growth and reproduction of the microbes. As a general rule, a moisture content below about fifty percent is going to inhibit the breakdown of your pile. Too wet, however, in other words, like waterlogged, it's going to exclude oxygen, which isn't good either.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, one of the episodes we covered in the past, Jadam, uh, would have something to say uh, about that idea.
0: Yeah, well, well, our goal here is a bit different than Jadam, and. While Jodama is focused on making a short-term nutrient-rich material that quickly oxidizes, we're building literal soil. Now aerobic decomposition, which is what we want to encourage, requires oxygen levels of at least 5%. This is maintained by turning the pile every now and then to make sure that all the oxygen in the middle of the pile hasn't been completely used up.
2: And this is where I add to the episode by quoting Bob Marley, where he says, steer it up, because I knew we were going to talk about stirring up a dirt shit pile.
1: It is a huge fucking pain in the ass in the summer, especially if you have a large compost pile.
0: Somebody's out turning their compost pile. Problem is, I haven't been. Oh, no. Okay, so, well, if your pile is like Andy's and the oxygen level gets below 5%, the aerobic uh, bacteria can survive and they die. Instead, anaerobic bacteria, bacteria that don't need oxygen, take over. These bacteria break down your pile as well, but they produce methane as a product. Now let's talk about methane for a minute. Cow farts, swamps, and landfills. Oh my. So methane is a simple molecule made of one carbon and four hydrogens. It's also a potent greenhouse gas that is produced in landfills, where organic material is decomposing anaerobically in all those like great big trash bags. Methane doesn't last as long as CO2 in the atmosphere, but it's about 80 times more potent in the first 20 years, according to the IPCC, and about 30 times more potent than CO2 over the course of 100 years after release. The EPA estimates that landfills are the third leading producer of human-related methane.
1: You know, that sounds like a really good way to hide the one and two numbers. Is Raytheon paying you to say that? Because, like, we're already getting sponsored by our boy Bred. Bread. In norm. Are we getting sponsored by the military now, too?
2: Well, we haven't received our shipment of Stinger missiles yet, and they haven't told me who to vote for, so technically we haven't been paid yet.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure for that level of sponsorship, you need to promise to overthrow a small Central American leftist government. So, uh, yeah, a reminder, the U.S. military is the world's biggest polluter still, full stop.
2: Yeah, and that's what I meant by vote. I know what it means to be
0: American. Anyway... Long story short, making sure your pile doesn't become anaerobic is essential to stopping methane production, as well as producing healthy, not smelly compost. Turning your pile is probably the most common way to avoid this, but making sure your pile has the right moisture level and isn't becoming waterlogged is important as well. Depending on the compost system, turning can look very different. In the simplest low-tech version of it, it can look like a pitchfork and just physically mixing up your pile.
2: Yeah, and this is where Andy's pitchfork parties come in. The torches were for when he has me and my black ass out after sundown because his dirt shit pile got too big to manage. Now we need machines, but that ain't natural or whatever.
1: First off, if I have a black man out of my yard doing labor in my neighborhood, that doesn't end well. So, you know, we got to work with what we got. You were the one that was like, let me go pick cotton in your backyard. What could go wrong? What if we filmed it in black and white? So
2: I, I mean, you just have to shout loudly that you pay them the best. Top dollar.
1: Pay, wait, paid who the best? Top dollar? Me. OK, just clarifying here.:
2: but, it, but at the same time, you have to make sure in the tone, it's not really about paying me, it's about letting other people know.
1: So like I yell loudly out like a proclamation, like not in your direction, just like yes. across the street. Yes. Okay, I, I just needed that clarification.
2: I
0: am not
1: recording this pro
0: movie.
2: Oh, it's so fun. Let's make it...
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, blue-tech version can look like a pitchfork.
1: Preferably not a black man in your white neighborhood who doesn't live there. Preferably.
0: Preferably. On the other industrial end of the spectrum, there exists massive machines that mix up eight-foot-tall rows of compost. Depending on your goals and your inputs... Uh, Your setup is probably going to fall somewhere between these two.
1: Yeah, I'm doubtful any of our listeners are going to be buying those machines, but, you know, maybe we're changing someone's life today. You know, maybe maybe Compost Chad is born on this day.
0: Leaving behind Goldman Sachs for that rich, brown, gold, and an industrial turner. So
2: now rich, bored white folks are going to co-opt an appropriate Fukuoka 2. Who's going to
1: stop them? My sweet summer child. They did that, like, decades ago.
0: We're going to skip over in this episode some of the different systems and methods you can use to make compost the list question mark don we got to get a sound effect for that
1: but make it like super obnoxious or like a graveyard that'd be kind of cool too because that's like the episode we never get to
0: like a little sorry tomatoes move
1: over yeah yeah tomatoes are second class now
0: (laughs) tomatoes and composting methods we'll get to them soon Composing is a complex topic, though, uh, but thankfully a well-researched one, so if you want more info in setting up your system and you don't want to wait for our episode on it, uh, there's plenty of advice, just a non-specified search engine away.
1: Yeah, that one is not paying our bills yet, so they're not getting free ads.
0: Yeah, no Google missiles. I don't know if DuckDuckGo could pay our bills, even if they wanted to.
1: Yeah, probably not. They're not doing great. Yeah. How's Ask Jeeves doing? Oh, my boy Jeeves. My boy Jeeves.
0: Nobody's asked him anything in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked about the difference between anaerobic versus aerobic organisms. Now we need to talk about mesophilic versus thermophilic.
2: And again, I'm bringing the heat. So this is the part where the temperature starts to rise and get ripe for more growth and more bacteria to continue the process of breaking down your green and brown organic matter in this pile.
0: Right, so as the compost pile breaks down, or if you prefer gets eaten, uh, it goes through many changes. We've mentioned one of those changes earlier, heat. Mesophilic microbes grow and survive at temperatures between 50 degrees and 113 degrees Fahrenheit. These are the microbes that are the first ones to break the pile down and start producing that heat. As the interior temperature of the pile rises, the optimal temperature for these microbes is reached and then passed. The optimal temperature for the thermophilic microbes, however, is between 113 and up to 170 degrees Fahrenheit. While the mesophilic microbes are a mix of bacteria and fungi, the thermophilic group is made up almost entirely of bacteria.
1: Yeah, so you want that high temperature for that high bacteria. Now you know why I've got those uh, three-foot-long thermometers.
0: You know, I found that in your
2: garage, and I was actually afraid to ask. And there was dirt and shit everywhere, and like, tarps, and it looked exactly like you think a kill room for, like, a dexter-ass looking dirt farmer would
0: look like.
1: Well, that one is for uh, something different. We're we're not gonna talk about that one. Uh, what were you saying, Matt?
0: Um, yeah, right. Uh, what was it? Oh, the, the heat. This heat is important because it kills. Okay, that's a bit dramatic, but this heat will be able to kill weeds and the seeds that are in the compost. If this doesn't happen, the moment you spread your lovely finished compost on your garden... Last year's seeds uh, are all going to pop straight out. Uh, while this isn't the end of the world, it's a pain in the ass, and avoiding this is just another advantage of composting properly.
1: Yeah, I got Datura from uh, poorly made compost from my town, so that one wasn't even my fault, even though I'm terrible at compost because I just, I hate it. Having, having something like Datura in your your uh, annual garden bed, like sitting next to your fucking tomatoes and like having your sheep sniff around it, not ideal.
2: Yeah, that makes sense why your belly always hurts, and, well, as for the delirium, I guess that's hard to tell, because, well, you know.
1: Yeah, if you don't know what Datura is, don't. <laughs> Basically, just just stay away from it. Even my sheep will stay away from it, and they will eat just about anything.
2: I mean, I'd try it, I guess. I guess the stomach cramps are probably pretty bad, huh?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you will die. I, I'm, it's like, I don't know, I think more than like, a. Uh, I don't even remember what the fuck it is you're supposed to consume. Like, the seed? uh, But, like, more than, like, one plant is enough to kill you.
2: Mm. Yeah, I thought eating the flowers was bad.
1: Yeah, it's something over there. It's not like... I think the leaves are also dangerous, but uh, it's primarily the flower, yeah. And the thing is, you cut them off, like, you cut the heads off, and they'll fucking shoot up another head real quick.
2: Yeah, it's a nice-looking white leaf with some, like, reddish dots on the bottom of it. Deadly.
1: Anyway, sorry, I... I have a lot of hatred for that plant, not because it's a bad plant. I mean, it is in some ways, but just because it's, like, in the worst possible I spot.
2: Can, I can tell. the the hairs in the back, your neck stood up.
1: No.
0: <laughs> so, uh, back to compost. Right, yeah, back to compost. So, we want this heat to kill all those turbo the Tura seeds. So, as this breakdown continues, though, and more and more energy is used up, the bacteria can't maintain such a high temperature the mesophilic organisms, previously only able to inhabit the cool edges of the pile, take over once again. In this final stage, fungi are particularly important, as are actinomycetes. Actinomycetes are a group of bacteria that are especially important in producing the final hummus product that we want out of our compost. Interestingly, as actinomycete populations grow, other bacteria populations tend to die off. That's because they can produce antibiotics that inhibit bacterial growth.
2: Okay. So, this is the part where they're creating their optimal environments that are going to produce more of the thing that's going to make the optimal environment. So, it's like that complex system, that cycle that nature always tries to produce, but sort of in this little microcosm of your little dirt and shit pile.
0: It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, side note two about seeds is some of them produce a compound called geosmin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that humans can smell it in the air better than
1: sharks can smell blood in the ocean. So what you're saying is we're land sharks.
2: Land sharks and fire beavers. Yeah, land sharks reminds me of that old cartoon uh, back from the 90s. It was the craziest shit I've ever seen where sharks are swimming through concrete in the street, aka street sharks.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a good one. Was that the one where they, like, hood rats, basically, but also sharks? Like, they all wore, like, muscle shirts and stuff? Or am I just, like,
2: yeah, that hallucinating? Was okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was... 90s was a weird, weird time. Just... Yeah. A lot sh- of bad decisions were made. Street,
2: sh- street sharks and the biker mice from Mars, man. I can't make this shit up.
0: <laughs> well, when yeah, you said street sharks, I also thought of uh, Sharknado. You no know? Sharknado. Sharknado. Classic. there's many many sharknados wait, wait, did that come out in the
2: nineties? 90- i think they made like seven of them no sharknado is from the 2000s oh yeah and
1: yeah. then they have like sharknado versus other ridiculous things that's Shark where it gets...
2: sharknado versus a bear like how's that fight even gonna work
1: <laughs> yeah basically
0: shallow water i guess yeah
1: <laughs> Water.
0: i feel or like that's like... what they can both fight in
1: do
2: you think a, a, tornado, a tornado would stop if a bear just grizzly punched it? Like, how does that work?
1: Oh, I see. Well, I mean, first off, it would be, like, a bear and something else. So, like, what do you? what is a bear naturally? Sharks a and... A bear forest
2: fire? Sharks and
1: tornadoes, like, tidal, go together. Tidal
2: bear. Tidal bear.
1: Yeah, like, there you go. Tidal right, bear. I like bear,
0: that. A bear on a tidal wave versus a tornado a tidal full wave of with sharks. A bear
1: face. The waves themselves. Wait, is that
0: how they... Is that how they got to Ireland? Did we
1: solve it? Oh, man, it, I think we did it. It all comes full circle. That's how the bears got there. It wasn't boats Tid- at
0: all. It was... They were tidal bears. Barnado. Oh, tidal bear.
1: Tidal bears. Oh, hell yeah. Tidal oh, bears. Man. We've done it. It's call science. We fixed it.
0: Yeah. We figured it out. Um. Okay. So... Oh, my God. This is a, Speaking a bit of, of a wacky episode. Yeah. So, what were we talking about? We were talking about these... The, like, maturation...
2: Actinomycite. I, I can't say it.
0: Actinomycites. Right. Yeah, and the uh, cooling down and maturation stage of our compost. But we're, we're close to the end, dear listeners. So, fungi in this last cooling and maturation stage flourish as well. Uh, while certain fungi species can break down more complex materials, uh, many species grow well on the simpler, more digested products of the compost pile in this last stage. Now we've got the basics down, uh, let's talk quickly about some of the other things that are giving your compost a hand. Physical decomposers include a pretty wide diversity of anything that's going to give your scraps a nibble or nibble on something that's nibbling your scraps. Uh, really there are too many to name, but they include mites, ants, spiders, beetles, slugs, snails, flies, and drumroll, worms. Tiny underground snakes. As the scientists do say, worms are super useful for composting and whole systems are dedicated to providing the right conditions for earthworms. This is called vermicompost. One of the important differences between compost and vermicompost is that on its own, vermicomposting doesn't go through a hot stage, meaning that all those weed seeds will still be alive and kicking. We could uh, dedicate a whole episode to vermicompost, and probably will in the future. So for the sake of keeping this episode focused,
1: which, it's which been, we haven't done a very good job so far, yeah. uh, it's going on the list. The list. Okay, you know what? I'll give it to you guys. It is fun to just yell the list. whenever the list. Yeah, I get it, guys. I get it.
2: Yeah, and at this point, the list has gone higher than I care to count. And I think I'm numb to it, boys. I feel nothing.
1: If the list is too damn high, it's time for you to join the compost
2: that almost sounded like a threat
1: sir but seriously some states as we've kind of hinted at have recently passed laws about uh what you can do with your body including composting
0: i don't know we're hinting
1: at that i mean we we talked about the idea of the uh cemetery it, compost pile cemetery yeah. cemetery of pasture cemetery pasture whatever oh, yeah. it was uh cemetery that we came up pasture with. yeah cemetery pasture that's what we keep you around for to remember the things that come out of my brain and uh, there's some cool stuff happening with composting bodies, so, you know, keep that in mind, Elliot.
2: I mean, that really does explain the Dirt Farmer
0: Kill Room, though. And really sounds like a
1: threat. Yeah, I mean, I will not not say the humans that feed my farm are completely free range.
0: Yikes. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. Actually, when will this come out? Not, not at all
1: close to Halloween. Uh, it's coming out actually a couple weeks after Halloween, so look at that, guys. All
0: right. Yeah, so
1: he's. I guess he's still in the window for murder, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's the window where it's totally a joke. It's just it spooky. It's
0: not weird. <laughs> so if you're interested in this area and not that area, if you're interested in composting, some other things on the list that you'll be able to read about before we make an episode on it include uh, Johnson Sioux Biodigesters, that's S-E-U, and Jean Payne Biomass Heating, which is very cool and i think we should be heating more stuff with it especially living in forests and also raising black soldier fly larvae give it a non-sponsored search engine search what we're going to talk about however is some of the interesting places that compost is going and i don't mean your garden Frontiers of composting are absolutely fascinating. Uh, In the next episode we release uh, is an interview with the Denver Compost Collective talking about composting systems on a building scale. And we can kind of get a sense of what a joint composting system could look like in your community.
1: Yeah, I've got a few questions to ask them about composting, you know, like 200-pound slabs of meat. I'm uh, having a few issues.
0: Okay, Andy. So, for the sake of balancing your compost pile to get to that one to twenty-five, are bodies more in your greens or your browns? Because that's a lot of protein, right?
1: I mean, honestly, they're more of a grave. If you want to be honest,
0: is that why you're asking me about
2: woodchippers and watching Fargo?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> yes. actually
2: that's how I want to go.
1: Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That's how I want to go. That wood chipper. Oh yeah, he accidentally throws himself in. Yeah. It's a suicide cult. (laughs) That movie is so good. Oh, my God, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, good times. Anyways, we we talked a little bit about compost in this episode. Um, Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a touch. Lots of fun. Um, Obviously, this is a very topical cover of the subject because compost is pretty broad, and um, I think people usually really struggle with the fundamentals So I think this is a really good way for folks that aren't familiar with it to have like a a good foundation to work from. And we are doing like Matt said, the Denver compost collective next week, we're going to be continuing to talk about soil and a couple different aspects over the next uh, month or so. And then, um, yeah, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So hopefully this pairs pretty well with what we've covered so far. And, um, yeah. Any, any final thoughts, Matt?
0: Um, we have 25 to 30 years left of uh, oil, affordable oil. Yeah, that's true. How's that? Uh, that's that's <laughs> How's dark.
2: How's that? How's
1: that? <laughs> How's your that? life
0: is going to radically change between now and then. Oh, man.
1: I won't even be 60. That's disappointing. Yeah. But give, uh, all right. Give
0: that a think over.
1: Yeah. Tonight. Let, that's, let that settle in your brain, yeah. brain cell. Um. Cool. All right, guys. This was fun.
2: As always, as always, thanks for listening to the Four Pearls Almanac.
0: Yeah, we just fucking ramble. The funnest podcast on the air. It's the best. (laughs) Yeah. Likes and reviews. All right. Do it. Goodbye, listeners.